He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Welcome to the celebration of the risen Jesus this day. For those of you who are here every Sunday, we're glad to have you back. For those who are visiting, we're so glad you are here. And whether one day or every day, we'll take you because we're convinced that sooner or later the Holy Spirit is going to take hold of your heart and do what we're going to read about in our story today. This is one of my favorite Easter stories that I'm going to read to you. And it struck me as surprising when I realized, I was looking back, that I have not preached from this text for 12 years. Back in 2004 was the last time I preached this story for Easter. And it could be that the, time, the last time I did it, I uh, humiliated myself. It was one of the most embarrassing moments I've ever had uh, up behind the pulpit. So I'm going to read this story. Hopefully I'll get through it this time. And then I'll tell you what happened back in 2004. Are you up for that? Here we go. Yeah, you want to hear how I humiliated myself, I can tell. We're reading from Luke chapter 24. And um, it's, a, it's a long reading, but it's a great reading. Please li- enter into the drama and the humor of it. it is a, it's a great story. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. Yes, and and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer for these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he broke the bread and blessed and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures? This is the word of the Lord. 
Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, would you do the same thing today? Would you open to us the scriptures and would you make our hearts burn with passion for the risen Christ? For we ask it in his name. Amen. So that last line, did not our hearts burn within us? It's, it's kind of the punchline, isn't it? It's the climactic moment of the story. And 12 years ago, as I was drawing near to that part of the text, I was doing what speakers try to do. I was raising my voice and changing my inflection and, and just trying to get the listeners excited about what I was going to say. And then as I drew near to this climactic moment in the text, I paused dramatically and said, did not our farts burn within us? I tried to keep going. I thought maybe they didn't catch it. They caught it. It started with a snort over here and then a chuckle back there, and pretty soon the whole place was weeping with laughter, and, and I was scarred for life. So it is really quite brave of me, don't you think, to return to this text for the first time. So let's take a look at... At this, a closer look at this story. First of all, when did it happen? We are told in verse 13 exactly when it happened. On that day. What day are we talking about? Easter. This is resurrection day. This is Easter day when this event occurs. Could we just pause there for a moment then to think about this? Only hours ago, earlier in the morning, Jesus of Nazareth was lying on a slab of stone. Bloodless, lifeless, cold, dead. He was in a tomb, and the tomb was covered with a great rock over the outside of the opening to the, to the tomb. And then somehow, in a way that we don't know because the Scriptures keep it secret from us, the Holy Spirit of God came down into that tomb and breathed life back into Christ We don't know how it happened exactly, but I wonder if it was something like what God did when he leaned down to the first Adam in Eden and breathed life into him. And so this this heart that was still began to beat, and these lungs that were still began to gasp, and the eyes fluttered and opened. And then Jesus got up, dead man walking. This is the greatest moment In the history of the world, it is the moment that changed everything. The Son of God raised back to life after having been brutally executed on the cross only days before. As days go, I think you would admit that this was a kind of a high point in the career of Jesus as the Savior of the world. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, this was a big deal. And this is an important day. So, Think about this. Day one of the resurrection, surely his agenda is going to be full. He's got people to visit. He's got places to go. He's got appearances to make to all of these people who doubted and denied him. He needs to show up and say, see, I told you so. I told you I was going to be raised from the dead. Here I am. And surely at the top of that list of appointments ought to be his disciples, his hand-chosen protégés who are going to be responsible for carrying this message out into the world, right? 
If you think of what would be the most important meeting for this Jesus to have on that first afternoon of his resurrection day, surely it would be going to Jerusalem to meet with Peter and James and John and the rest of the boys. Is that how it happened? No. Jesus spent the first afternoon of his first day of resurrection life, not with his disciples. That would take place later on that night behind a closed door. No, he spent this first day walking on a road with two virtual strangers. We hardly know anything about these two people. One of them, his name was Cleopas. That's it. We don't even know the other name. They are nobodies in the gospel story. We're not even sure that they were both men. Some suggest that this might have been a husband and wife who were returning from Passover, going back to their home, to their village in uh, Emmaus. And after this story, in Luke 24, the only place that it occurs, they disappear into the mists of history. Now, am I the only one that finds this a puzzling way for Jesus to choose to spend the first afternoon of his resurrection day? And it wasn't just a 10-minute appointment that we're talking about. How long did they walk together to Emmaus? How far was it? Seven miles. That's at least two hours, and for some of us, about 12 hours, right? And then when they get there, they say, well, come and have a dinner with us. And so they come in. So two hours, three hours, four hours out of the most important day in the history of the world, Jesus chose to spend by hanging out with two nobodies. Of course, they weren't nobodies to Jesus, were they? They weren't nobodies to Jesus. They mattered to him. We don't know the second person's name, but Jesus knew it. We don't know their story, but Jesus took the time to listen to their story. And so for a type A personality like me, a, a, a fill your schedule, plan your work, and work your plan kind of guy... This seems like an enormously wasteful way to spend the first hours of the greatest grand opening ever, right? But apparently Jesus didn't think it wasteful. I wonder who needs to hear that message today. I wonder who here today comes on this Easter morning feeling like a spiritual nobody. I mean, you might believe, you might not believe, you're not sure, but... Certainly the idea that Jesus would know you, would care for you, would have the time of day for you, that would seem astounding. I mean, he's the Lord of the universe. Certainly he has business there. He's got a very messed up world that needs his attention. Certainly he could do, do that. But a nobody like you, a nobody like me, and yet if this story tells us anything, it is that there are no nobodies to Jesus. You, every single one of right now, just take your finger, would you, and just do this right there. The person that you're pointing to matters deeply to Jesus. He knows you. He loves you. He knows your story, and he still loves you. Could that be the greatest gift you might discover this Easter? That the God of life knows and loves you. I want to look a little bit further at this. I'm still puzzled why Jesus would choose to spend half of his afternoon with these two people. Maybe it was because they were persons of such faith 
There were a lot of faithful persons that weren't necessarily mentioned in the Scripture. Maybe they really believed in Jesus. Maybe they believed the, the story of the resurrection. And they were just eager to see what Jesus was going to do. The newly resurrected Jesus had in mind. Could that be it? Not according to Luke. Look at verse 17. Jesus said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Try to appreciate the the drama of the writing of this. They're walking along, they're talking to each other. Actually, this text suggests they were arguing back and forth vigorously. And Jesus sidles up next to them. And, And he says, hey guys, what are you talking about? And they stop dead in their tracks and they look sad, we're told. They stop dead and they look bummed out. And then Cleopas asks this great, ironic question. You caught it, right? Here's what he asked. Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now we read scripture, we think it's got to be serious, very, very sober. This is funny stuff. This is funny. Cleopas essentially says to Jesus, are you kidding me? What rock have you been living under? Some of you are getting it. He might have said, well, not exactly under, but certainly behind. But, but go ahead, tell me what you're talking about. It's great comedy. Jesus plays dumb. And since they don't even recognize who they're talking to, these two guys launch into a laundry list of all the ways that Jesus of Nazareth has let them down. And they were let down. Maybe they were among those who were there on the Palm Sunday and they threw their robes down before the donkey that Jesus was riding on. Maybe they joined with the shouts of the crowd, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe, like the rest of the crowd, they expected Jesus to make his grand entrance in Jerusalem, kick the Romans out, and restore the kingdom of Israel. If that was their expectation, they were very disappointed. On Sunday, it was Palm Sunday, hallelujah, celebrations, and five days later, Jesus was dead. And so, you see this, don't you? These two people were sad. They were disappointed. Yeah, there was a rumor that Jesus might have been raised to new life. But however much they believed that rumor, it didn't keep them in town, did it? I mean, they didn't believe it enough not to blow town. They, they, they didn't have enough hope to stick around and see how things might pan out with this story of a, of a risen Jesus. And their disappointment really is summarized in verse 21 of this story. But we had hoped that he was the one... To to redeem Israel. Say those three words with me. We had, do you hear the hopelessness, the discouragement, the dashed hopes? That's what this story is about, a story of heartbreak. The first Easter for Cleopas and his companion was a day of disappointment. They had such high hopes for Jesus, such great expectations, and he didn't come through. I can't help but wonder if there are not people here on this Easter who, if you were honest you would say that you had greater hopes for Jesus and he has not come through for you. As you look back over your life, you had higher expectations. But, and maybe you prayed, maybe you went to church, maybe you were really active and believing, but 
there came a time when you really needed Jesus to come through for you and you felt like he let you down. For you, this might be a day of at least mixed emotions, if not dashed hopes. I was talking to a, a, a friend who, whose marriage has failed. He got a divorce, and he said sadly to me, I never thought I would be among the divorce statistics, but here I am. My, his, his dreams had been dashed, and frankly, he's a little disappointed that Jesus didn't patch things back up the way he wanted to. I heard this week of another man who used to be very active in, in the church, very active with his wife, and then the two of them went through two stillbirths, and it broke their hearts. It dashed their hopes and they started walking away from Jerusalem. Walking away from a disappointing Jesus. That's how these travelers felt, isn't it? And, uh, and I love the way Jesus plays it out. He, he, he could have kind of rolled back his, the robe dramatically and said, Ta-da! Here I am! I am alive! You can stop being sad now! But he doesn't disclose it dramatically, does it? He discloses it in a leisurely walk, a long conversation, and ultimately in a meal with them. And he even leads him on a Bible study. Did you notice that? Wouldn't you give anything to have listened to Jesus interpreting the Old Testament and all the places that he appears in the Old Testament? That would be a Bible study to attend. It was such a powerful experience that when they finally came to their village in Emmaus, Jesus started to keep going. And he said, wait, don't go. And so he hung around and he sat down then with them for a meal. And, and we are told that he broke bread. And when he broke bread and blessed it, suddenly their eyes were open. We don't know why, but their eyes were open. They realized who they were looking at. And as soon as they knew who they were looking at, boom, he was off to his next appointment. He vanished. He was gone. And they sat there astounded, looking at each other. And that's where they uttered these words. Did not our hearts burn within us? What a transformation. Early in the day, they were heartbroken. Now they are heartburning, the good kind. Don't we all long for something like this? Don't we all long for a life that seems purposeful and meaningful and passionate Don't we long to hold to things, especially religious things, especially spiritual things that are are real and life-giving and passionate? I wonder if if that's not why we have so many people who show up on an Easter morning but aren't here the rest of the year because honestly, they long for something but they never sense that it's real. It doesn't seem to make any real difference. What if it did? What if you could get your heart set on fire. I think it's possible. I know it's possible. And I think the key to it is found in three simple little words in verse 29. I wonder if you saw them. Remember when Jesus was getting ready to leave, they said what? Stay with us. Say that with me, please. Stay with us. Stay with us, they said. They had come to the end of their journey, and Jesus looks like he's just going to keep going. And, and they cry out, oh, oh, don't. Please don't leave. Stay with us. The cool thing about this is that the English language translation doesn't do it justice. The Greek actually makes it clear. It was a passionate plea, almost coercive. They're almost saying, you can't leave us yet. You've got to stay with us. 
I mean, this, this, this great longing for him. And remember, they still don't even know who this guy is. All they know is that the more time they spent with him, the more time they wanted to spend with him because being with this guy lit them on fire. About a year ago, I was at a concert and uh, I met a, a woman during the intermission and it turned out that she lived not very far from us, kind of a neighbor. And so we talked for a little while, went back in for the concert. Later on, a few days later, I was driving through the neighborhood and I saw her out in the in the yard. And so I stopped my car and pulled over and, and rolled the window. Didn't do it this way. <laughs> rolled the window. I'm dating myself. Stop it. Um, I rolled the window down and I leaned over and I, I said, hi. I said, you know what? Cindy and I would really like to come over and say hi sometime. And I will never forget her response. She said, oh, no, don't do that. I don't want you to come. Yeah, not exactly the response I was hoping for either. I thought... It would be, oh, that would be great. Come, I'll make you tea. We'll become better acquainted. But it was, oh, no, don't do that. I don't want you to come. And we might be kind of shocked at that, but I wonder if, if it's not too dissimilar from what some of you might be tempted to say to Jesus today. Because, you know, if you can imagine, Jesus is here, and he's kind of leaning in towards you one at a time eager to hear if you would be interested in carrying on this conversation, carrying on this journey with him, eager to hear you say, stay with me. And with many of you, he might hear, oh no, I, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to come. What a, what a waste this would be. The other morning I got up early. At, we were jet lagged after our trip to Turkey. And uh, I woke up about four o'clock, which isn't that dissimilar, but I needed coffee. So I went in and got the coffee on and I decided to have a fig bar. And, uh, and so I threw the fig bar in the microwave and pressed start in my early morning stupor. I, it turns out that these fig bars have a foil wrapping. I woke up then because suddenly I've got lightning bolts in the, in the microwave and uh, the foil started burning. And by the time I could press the stop button with my finger, my fig bar was encased in a smoking case of molten metal. I just wanted a little warm-up. And what I got was lightning bolts. It was a very surprising start to my day. I'll bet there's some of you who came this morning and all you want is a little spiritual warm-up. But what if Jesus wanted to surprise you? Maybe not lightning bolts, but I can tell you that he would love to light a, a spark of passion in your heart. And the starting point might be those simple words that we heard these two men or these two people speak to Jesus. Stay with us. You've sensed him this morning. Surely you have, most of you, unless you're just kind of spiritually dead. In the music, in the words, in the, in the images, in the, in the scripture, you've sensed that Jesus here and he's kind of leaning in. He's walking with you right now. And now is the point where he's, you know, the decision is, are, am I going to let him walk out the door or, or am I going to cry out with the, the minute Emmaus, please, don't go. Stay with us. And I want to invite you to make that simple prayer to Jesus today. If, if you've never done it, it's not saying you're, trusting in him. It's not say you even believe in him, but if he's real, you're saying, 
stay with us a little longer. That's our journey as a church. That really at core is what we do. We're not about performances. We're not about programs. At our core, our purpose, our passion as a church is to say to Jesus, would you stay with us? Would you walk with us? And so together we do that. We would love for you to listen to the promptings of Jesus today and join us in that. In fact, join us next Sunday. It turns out, turns out we meet every Sunday around here. I, every, every Sunday with terrific regularity. And, and next week we are going to well, we're going to be starting a new, uh, renewing a journey through the Bible called The Story. The very thing that the disciples were doing with Jesus, we've been looking at how Jesus appears throughout the Old Testament all to the present. And we start a new part of that next week. If you don't know God's story, what a perfect time to come back. And next week too, if you come, you have a chance to sit down at table with the Lord. We are going to have a meal. And we're going to share bread. And Jesus is going to break it, the bread, and give us the juice. And we're going to share in the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. When was the last time you took the Lord's Supper? You know, we believe what happened here happens to us too. Every time we take it, our eyes are opened. Why don't you come and join us? I know there are so many things about this that, that, that you've tried before, perhaps. And, and maybe like these disciples, you've been disappointed. And I understand that. Religion can be very disappointing. Church can be very disappointing. Christians can be very disappointing, right? Pastors can be very disappointing. (laughs) Rich, you and I are going to (laughs) talk. Even religious experiences that you've had from time to time can be disappointing. But here's what will never be disappointing. The long walk with Jesus. And that's what I want to invite you to consider. Not a sporadic thing, but the long, languorous walk with Jesus. And it could start today. Would you join me with a word of prayer? Father, I pray for those who are gathered here. I thank you for the gift of Everyone who said, I'm going to be there to celebrate this thing. Maybe they understand it, maybe they don't, but here they are. And I believe it is by divine appointment. So Jesus, I pray that you would make yourself real to every person here. And those who might ordinarily be tempted to say, yeah, go ahead, go on your way. I'm done with this. I pray that you would give us the courage to do what those men said. Oh, Jesus, don't go yet. Stay with us. Stay with us.